What's up, podcast world? Back at you. This life ain't for everybody. Today's episode of the podcast always is brought to you by our friends and family. Lynchburg, Tennessee, the historic, the iconic Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for everything that you do for us and believing in the culture of the American hunter, fisher, podcaster, work man, work woman. It doesn't matter what you do in life. Jack Daniels supports it. Do it ethically. Do it morally correct. Remember, Jack Daniels is there for us in the good times, the high times, the sad times. But remember, it's all about responsibility and moderation. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Lear. The toppers, the camper shells, you see them everywhere. When you become part of the Lear family, it's amazing. It's almost like being at Sturgis and giving that two-finger salute because everybody's on a Harley or you're in some club, like a BMW motorcycle club, and you just happen to see a total stranger on one. So you wave. I see Lear toppers everywhere now. It's amazing how many Lear toppers are on the road in every different shape, size, con- configuration that they offer for all different makes and models of trucks. Of course, here at the Foul Life and Banded, we choose Ford motor company absolutely the best trucks in the world but if you drive another one of those guys trucks girls trucks look for Lear for safety security going down the highway I like to know that all of our gear is protected from the elements rain sleet snow double locks double layers triple layers of protection and security against theft it's amazing what you can get with Lear today Go and customize your order right now at leartoppers.com and tell them that the Foul Life sent you and today's guest sent you. She's a huge advocate of Lear Toppers. She's a huge advocate of the Blue Line. She supports policemen and police women and first responders and firefighters and EMT. And you know what? She's a badass veteran that served for our country. She fought for our freedom. She defended our rights. I don't know if she agrees with a lot of the horse you-know-what that's going on in the world today. I'm going to stop my long-winded intro of the one and only, the great, the beautiful. You guys, I hope that all of you are watching this on YouTube because she is really, really pretty. She always is pretty, but today she looks exceptionally pretty. Kirstie Ennis, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you. Was Lovely that a- intro, too. <laughs> I'm chewing on something right now, and tell me if you ever have this problem. Like... I'm really like, I try to be pretty conscientious, I guess, of what I eat. You know, I'm getting older. So it's like your metabolism, like in Big Daddy, they say it slows down. I try to work out as much as I can, but I like to have a nice dinner. I like to have a nice lasagna once in a while. I like to have a Jack Daniels whiskey once in a while. The calories in, calories out, balance, moderation. But this time of year, I'm eating freaking candy corn because my daughter like just went nuts during trick-or-treating. I never eat candy. I don't eat ice cream. I don't eat sugars or desserts. Very, very rare. But do you find yourself sneaking into some Halloween candy this time of year? Oh, absolutely. But it's more like Reese peanut butter cups. For oh, you're the sure. peanut butter cup. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the recipe that goes into this candy corn, there's not one good thing in it for your body. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> And you keep doing it. Good for you. I know, but I admit it. And here's how disciplined I am is that I keep it to four or less a day. But it's like a 40 pound bag of them, Kirsty. So I don't know how long this is going to last. <laughs> what are you up to? What are you up to? What have you done today? Uh, today? Oh, man. I've done real estate showings. I have done work on my doctorate. I have 
done some finalizing for my Antarctica client that's coming up in December. Um, what else have I done today? Um, oh, I did an event for the Alaska Women's Veterans Organization um, for Veterans Day. And I guess that's about it. That's about it. That's a lot. Um, Antarctica <laughs> climb, you kind of just slid that in there like it was just another day at the office. What does this entail? Give us some <laughs> details, uh, or at least what you can tell us right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, so, of course, I mean, as we talked about last time, uh, the seven summits, I am attempting to be the first woman above the amputee to ever do um, the highest peak on each of the seven continents. And originally, I had postponed Antarctica this year because of my Denali expedition that I did back in June. Um, but I, um, yeah, I just, I decided to pull the trigger on all of it and, uh, sign the papers. And I'm now like ordering my gear and organizing my equipment and uh, getting ready to go. So I'm super excited for it. Um, it's a mountain, um, it's called Mount Benson, 16,000 feet. And I have every intention, fingers crossed, pray to whoever you pray to, um, but I plan to snowboard the mountain down, um, and then chase around the South pole. So about 750 miles, um, of chasing around one of the poles. So when you start talking about preparation and your gear, what do you look for? You want to stay light, but what are some of the must haves on an expedition like this? Cause right now behind me, if I open this door, you would see total freaking chaos. It looks like a bomb went off in a Cabela store. Okay. It looks like Max Prairie wings just got like somebody went in there on a supermarket sweep and just started throwing shit everywhere. But we're organizing our trailers to, to go on our next trip. We're headed to Wisconsin. We're very, it's kind of like organized chaos, right? Like it looks really bad right now, but I know once we get there and we open the doors of this trailer, I know where every nook, you know, where everything is, every nook and cranny, like the back of my hand. What goes on in preparing for something like this? I want to talk about the preparation of your bag, your pack, your gear. And then I want to talk about your mentality and your mental approach to getting ready to climb this freaking huge mountain. Oh yeah. Well, no. So, I mean, I'm very fortunate right now because, um, you know, I've done a bunch of the big mountains, um, obviously Everest packing list, I have Denali's packing list under my belt. And so going to Antarctica, hallelujah, I have everything that I need for the most part. Um, but the biggest things are obviously being able to keep your feet warm, keep your hands warm and have the best sleeping bag that you possibly could have. Um, so this time around I have triple layer boots. So 8,000 meter boots, um, which is kind of unheard of. You don't ever want to have to spend the money on them because they are way too expensive, um, I have a negative 45 degree bag over there that I would just looked at. Um, I have about eight different layers for my gloves. Um, down in Antarctica, you can't have a single inch of skin exposed, um, considering like your best circumstances are going to be negative 45. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a smorgasbord of stuff. But I mean, the reality is just be able to stay, you know, um, dry and warm negative 45 degrees real temp or does that include a windshield or is that just like you wake up and it's at least negative 45 degrees below zero why like are you nuts <laughs> like all it's going to take is one little piece of your pretty cheek to be exposed and you're going to get frostbite <laughs> I mean, what, <laughs> what else are you willing to freaking put your body through girl i i love it though no i think it's great i mean i love figuring out what else, like what's next what else can i endure um, and if you haven't seen pictures of me after Everest, I will send them to you because they are pretty intense. I look like a jack lantern. I want to use one to promote this podcast. So send me one. <laughs> okay. You're probably all sunburnt and bleed, like just totally burn out. Oh, like your skin goes through burnt. hell. Wind oh, burnt. Yeah, I like terrible. Absolutely terrible. Well, you recover. You recover well. What? 
Before we get into the mental approach to this, the RMA, the right mental attitude, how, what is the, what is the elevation? And this one's just 16,000. Just what's the highest? Uh, uh, Everest, you mean 29,000, 29. You've already done that. I was out there in 2019. You've climbed 29,000 feet in the air. Technically 28,800. Jeez. How many human beings have climbed Everest to that height? Do you know? I have no idea, but I guarantee that most of them don't have a prosthetic. Yeah. We got to keep reminding the audience that you have a prosthetic leg. You lost your leg after many surgeries, after a military accident in a helicopter, helicopter crash in Afghanistan. Don't really need to reiterate it. Our audience knows who you are. The world knows who you are. You're a freaking badass. But to just have the mentality to keep going is like, I don't know how much self-serving you're doing. I think that after meeting you and hanging out with you and meeting your mom and dad, that this is for everybody else that gets to live through it. And to give somebody like you wake up, like I, I'm guilty of this. You wake up and you're like in a dark spot. Sometimes you're like, shit. Why is this happening to me? Why'd the wind blow so hard that my pool furniture blew over? You know, like little bullshit statements like that. Oh my gosh. Like it didn't have to get that windy. You know, like why did it, why did this have to break? And it's like, you're doing this to show people that you face the worst, truly the worst you could come. You face death in the face. You watch friends die. You were rushed to hospitals. You've had, I don't know how many, what is it? Is it over 40 surgeries? How many was it again? 46. 46 surgeries. And we have the audacity to bitch because it's too cold outside and we, or we, the fuel prices are too high. Like I understand politics and I, I think that we're getting out of hand in a lot of ways right now in our country. But I think that there's no self-serving to this at all. I think that you do like to challenge yourself. I think that you are very competitive. You wouldn't be doing a lot of the things you've done in life if you weren't. But this is for those little girls out there and those little boys and those men and women that struggle sometimes to say, Hey, anything is possible. You can even climb Mount Everest at 28,000 something feet with a fake leg and one real leg and kick the shit out of the world. Does that sound fair to say? <laughs> well, that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, I, well, and I won't say like, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely do it to challenge myself. You know, I, I want to be the best version I possibly can. Like tomorrow I want to look back and say, you know what? Well, I could do a little bit more, you know? I, so every single day, sure. My climbs are definitely about me. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with being able to stand on a summit and plant that flag and be proud of what the hell I did by any means. But the reality of it is, is I didn't have that role model. Like that's what I'm doing now is I want to show the world that anything is possible given you're willing to work for it. I didn't have that person to look up to. I don't care if I'm the slowest amputee up that mountain right now or the most differently abled person getting up that mountain. But what matters to me is other people see it and they want to challenge me. Like do it, do it better than I am. Do it faster than me. Do it stronger than I am. But right now it's, it's totally about desensitizing what the world is seeing. Um, I feel like everybody else puts like, I don't know, these, these physical limitations um, on people who are like me, you know, again, whether that's somebody who is, you know, challenged physically mentally or emotionally whatever that looks like but i want to show the world that like, go after it you know if you can dream it you can do it you got to work for it but you can do it so when you say work for it and you know that you're getting ready to do this again is it pre-covid was your last climb 
No, I submitted it to Denali in June of 2021. Well, yeah. It was technically pre-COVID outside of Denali. Yeah, so Denali was your one this year, though. Mm-hmm. So it's been July, August, September, October. I'm not really good at math, but it's been four, four and a half months, <laughs> somewhere in there. Did, runner, yeah. did you work out every day since then? Because you got to be in some kind of, oh. you have to be in some kind of good physical shape to climb this high of 16,000 foot mountain with one prosthetic leg. You have to have core. Your ass has to be in shape. You have to have a strong gluteus maximus. You have to have strong quads in your leg. That's both of your legs. You have both your quads still. Your amputee, your leg was removed from right above the knee, correct? Yeah. Well, a few inches. So I, I lost four inches on my femur too. So you lost four inch of your femur. So does your quad and the amputee leg still work? Okay. So you Absolutely have no not. muscle, muscle control at all. So you're walking on one leg. Okay. That right. makes, that makes this even more like, holy shit kind of feeling, right? So <laughs> what do you, are you doing abs every day? Do you have to do squats every day? Do you have to, what do you do? I want to get back in. We, we're we're going to visit the trip down there. I want to know how you get to Antarctica. Like, are you ready for this flight? Like you're going to be doing some cool <laughs> shit, but, and then I want to go over your mental attitude after we talk about your physical training. You, do you spend five hours a day in the gym to get ready for something like this? No, not in the gym. Not necessarily. Um, I spend probably about an hour and a half doing strength and conditioning and interval training, but then the rest is just all outside putting a pack on and, and walking basically. Um, especially for Mount Benson, it's just a long slog. I mean, there's nothing super technical. It's just that you are going to freeze. You're going to be miserable for two, three weeks. Um, then you just have to have the grit and the will to not stop, you know? So mountaineering, you just have to be strong and stupid. That's it. You have to like forget how bad it sucked the day before, and then just be able to have the mental toughness to tell your body to keep going. Um, so for me in the gym, I mean, for any mountain that I'm climbing, it's literally thousands of right leg lunges and then thousands of like tricep depths the entire way up. So if nobody has ever seen me move on a mountain, I have to use these kind of wonky looking uh, forearm crutches that are made out of carbon fiber. They're lightweight, um, but they give me the stability and the ability to be able to actually move um, at the same pace that the rest of my team's going to move. So um, a lot of it's just time in the saddle, you know, being out in the mountains, being out in the outdoors and being able to listen to your body, being able to tell yourself, um, you know, that that you can, you know, stop focusing on what you don't have. Like you can keep going. Um, so in, in most cases, you know, I feel like, you know, the people who suffer from altitude sickness, you know, say anybody can't get over 14,000 feet, wouldn't be able to summit Mount Vincent in, in Antarctica. Um, a lot of that's just up here. You know, you have to be able to talk to yourself. You have to be able to teach yourself, um, like be too stupid to quit. <laughs> that's it. Do you worry about injury once you're in the actual process of the climb? Are you're going to be around a lot of ice? Are you going to have the potential to fall and cut yourself? Do you have the potential to slip your prosthetic into a crack or a crevice and fall down and bend it? Can you hurt your other leg by stepping into a crevice and not being able to? Does injury worry you at all on an expedition like this? Um, the biggest injury that worries me is frostbite. Um, so. Again, if you haven't seen my prosthetic, it might not make too much sense right now, but I mean, carbon, carbon fiber has no R value to it. So all of these aluminum and steel components that I have, the hydraulics, um, the moment that my you know prosthetic foot or my crampon foot hits the ground, like you're transferring cold. Um, so for me, the, my biggest fear is losing more of my limb, you know, for the most part, like all of my technical skill sets, um, being able to, 
um, get myself out of, you know, those sticky or tricky situations, I'm solid. However, if I get frostbite on my residual limb and that leg has to come off, I'm hosed, especially in those conditions. So really leading into this climb, that's my biggest fear. I mean, don't get me wrong. I always have um, secondary and tertiary, um, you know, suspension systems going on. So like my leg stays on by suction right now. Um, but then I also have like an ice axe leash that, you know, attaches from uh, the prosthetic knee to my, um, uh, my climbing harness. But then I also have what's called the, like basically a waist belt. So another elastic component that can attach my leg to me. So, and there's always a threat of it. Do I worry about it? No. My biggest fear is definitely frostbite. So take I, me back. I can't, to, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You can't what? Well, I can't afford to lose much more leg. I mean, as you were mentioning earlier, um, you know, the, the, like if I lose more leg, I lose more control. I lose more stability. Like I can't afford to lose any of that anymore because I can't just walk from my pelvis at this point. Um, so like it's not something to gamble with. Am I gambling? Yes, of course. But I'm trying to take as much like precautions as I can um, to prevent frostbite. Like that is, go, that is my biggest concern. Let's go back to my prior question that I wanted to ask. And I want you to in, incorporate that last statement you just made. Tell us about your team. How many individuals is it comprised of? And then I want to talk about where do you meet? Do you meet at your house on a Saturday morning, go, go team, go, and then you go to the airport? I want to talk about the travel down there. Do you travel as a team? And then end it by talking about this potential of your leg getting frostbite and you losing more of your leg, making it less your body less controllable in the future of your life. Is there somebody on this team that's dedicated to your safety as far as wait, Christy, you're walking too fat. Wait, Christy, we got to cover you up. Wait, Christy, we need to get more insulation on you. Talk to me a little bit about all that. No. So if you're climbing with me, um, you know, unfortunately a lot of people consider mountaineering to be a very selfish sport and it is, I mean, it's time consuming. There's a lot going on. Um, a, a lots of time away from your family. Um, and obviously like huge risk. But if you're going to climb with me, if you're committed to climbing with me, you have to listen to me and my body. Um, so I'm very, very grateful uh, for the climbing partner that's actually going down to Antarctica with me. He was on Everest with me. He actually filmed my Everest documentary. Um, his name's Rob Galler. And I would never consider doing any of these like polar explorations or anything like that without him. Um, and the only reason is that he just knows. Like if I look at you and I say, this is a bad situation, then he knows that we need to stop. You know, or if I look at him and I say, like, we, if he tells me to stop and I say no, like, there's this huge trust between the two of us. Um, and it, it is purely based off of like being able to be vulnerable and being able to be honest about my situation. So, um, the other individuals that will be down there with us is a gentleman that I met on Everest. Um, his name's Mike Hamill. I've never climbed with him before, but um, uh, he's just a rock star and, and basically everything that he does um, all around the world when it comes to the mountains. So, Super grateful that I was able to tack onto that last minute. And from then on, we just have two other guides, like a guide and an assistant. And those are the ones that um, are really just going to be able to point me in the right direction. Um, again, when I am moving, I am looking at my feet, making sure that I'm not getting hurt, making sure my feet aren't going into the places that they should be going. Um, and then from like, not that I'm a team lead completely, but I mean, it, it does revolve around me. Um, and so that's kind of complicated. But that said, we don't even train together. And that's where that trust comes in. Um, you know, Rob lives over in, I guess, technically most of the time Utah, but he travels the world. Mike's down in Australia. 
Um, but we communicate regularly and then just make sure that we're all like in tune um, and making sure that we understand how my prosthetics work. And I think that's the biggest piece is if something happens to me and whatever, if I get knocked out unconscious, something along those lines, somebody else has to figure out how to work this prosthetic. Um, and, th and that can be a pretty intricate process. So and I guess those are the biggest things as far as technically and um, just making sure that, um, you know, all of our, yeah, components are in, are in alignment. So do you meet these guys in Antarctica? Y'all just meet there and be like, is there a hotel? <laughs> How, what is Antarctica like? Isn't it just a big glacier? <laughs> is it? Um, it, it is a big glacier, but no. So Rob, Rob will actually meet me here in Colorado. We'll fly out from Vail um, and we'll fly down to Chile. Um, so in Chile, you have to go through all these different, you know, customs and of course COVID, um, you know, processes. And then from Chile, we'll fly down to Antarctica and you live in Connex boxes and um, yeah, big commercial shipping crates. Are you, are you, first off, how's, how far is, I've been to Chile. So you fly to South America, Chile, as you say it, because you're very worldly. Sorry, it's worldly. Chile. <laughs> how, how long is the flight from Chile to Antarctica? <laughs> I'm speaking your language now. I'm bougie. I'm bougie. <laughs> I, I don't even know the answer to that question. Why? Just, <laughs> that's not what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the length of the flight. I'm worried about the time. Why are you laughing so hard? I'm not la I'm not saying I'm just asking, do you know for my benefit? Like how far, I don't know how far Antarctica is from where me and you live. I live kind of close to Colorado. I'm one state over. We got Utah in between <laughs> us. But how far are we from Antarctica is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, I have no idea. I really don't. Is it farther to fly from here to Antarctica than it is to go to Australia? Because that's a long ass flight. Yes. <laughs> It's further gone. Well, so there's only two ways. So there's only two ways that you can get in into Antarctica. Chile, as some people call it, or New Zealand. So why Chile? Yeah. Why is that one of the only ways to get into Antarctica? Um, just the monopoly that the outfitters have on it. Really? Yeah. That's nuts. I had no idea. So you fly into Santiago, Chile, and and then you're just you, you're there for maybe overnight or something. You t catch a connecting flight, and then you're so is it maybe like two days to get from here to Antarctica? Yes. Well, technically three now because of COVID, but um, and technically I'm flying into Puentes Aires. So, so what is Antarctica like? Are you? Is there anybody that lives there? Is it Eskimos? Are there polar bears? Is there whale watching? Is there like some touristy shit you get to do down there? Or is it just a mountain climb and you're headed back? Are there, are there houses there and buildings no. and stuff? No. So there's not houses and buildings and all of that. I mean, there are structures, but I mean, obviously every country that has a military is, has some kind of a presence down there. I mean, we have people down there for oil. We have people down there um, doing other kinds of exploration. You can technically go down there and do glacier travels. You can do, again, polar exploration um, just as a nobody who's never climbed a mountain. Have you ever so. been there? No. Has anybody on your team, we all know that you don't train with these guys, but you've been with them before on climbs. Have any of these individuals been to Antarctica and made this climb before? Oh, yeah. Yes. So they're ready for it. Oh, they're ready for it. But yes, yes. I feel like you're stressing out more about it than I am. I'm never going to stress out. You give me all the comments <laughs> in the world. I'm just trying to learn like where you're going to be. Like if I need to come and save you, you know, like if I need to fly in there on my freaking 
you know, some kind of plane, I need to know where you're at. You're going to have to drop me a pin. <laughs> well, no, you can track me. I always have my Garmin and reach on. You can follow me around the world. When you, when you, part of my last questioning too, is your mental approach to this. Are you looking forward to it? Do you get excited about it? Or is it just kind of like, ah, I've been there, done that. I've, I've climbed higher mountains. How do you look at this now to where you're going to take care of the seven on seven different continents, the highest peak summit, seven, seven summit. This is awesome. This is awesome accomplishment, but does it become kind of just, eh, I don't really, I don't get too fired up. Kind of like you hear people, like if you make it your job, it doesn't get you excited anymore. No, that's not the case at all. No, I, I absolutely love what I do. And I think that's what's so special about it is there's no two mountains that are the same, especially when you're going after these big ones. You know, for example, you know, Kilimanjaro, I mean, you're in a tank top and shorts, climb the dang thing until summit day. Um, Denali, totally different experience than what I'm going to experience on in Vincent. And same thing with Everest and Aconcagua down in um, Argentina, you know, so all of them are so different and they all teach you something um, so very special. So, you know, I have never done anything like this. And so when I, I keep throwing around the term polar exploration, but like I've never truly done anything like this before. Am I confident and comfortable with my skill sets and my team? 100%. But this is going to be unlike anything that I've ever done before. So like I, you can't help but be excited. I mean, even, even if you told me that I had to go back, well, maybe not Denali, <laughs> even if you told me that I had to go back to Kili or Aconcagua or, or Everest, all of them, like, I, I, I love what I do and my heart goes into it. Does it suck? Yes. But that suck makes it so much sweeter when you stand on top. So let me ask you this, Miss Ennis, is it a guarantee that you make this summit? I want you to no. educate the audience. Is there anything that can happen? I know a storm could roll in. You might get pushed back a day, but physically... And the outlook of the team, your confidence level, your confidence meter, right? Like, is there anything that can stop you from doing this? Is this a guarantee that you're going to climb this summit? No. And well, and that's what I always say too. like to be, well, I mean, to be a great mountaineer, to be a smart mountaineer, you have to know when to turn around. And, you know, I've had to turn around multiple times for reasons that they were totally unpredictable. You know, sometimes things that didn't even have anything to do with me. Um, you know, whether that was out in Ecuador, I had to turn around in Denali back in 2018. There's a number of different things that can happen, you know, altitude sickness, any kind of cold injury. And we're not just talking, you know, frostbite, but as to your point, I mean, anybody can break a limb, anybody can have like wind nip, any of that sort of thing. Um, and, and because I'm climbing with the Tim, uh, excuse me, climbing with the team, like that, even though I say everybody has to listen to me, like I turned around on Everest, my climbing partners ran, ran out of oxygen. So I turned around. I'm not going to let my team go down, you know, right. by themselves. I'm going to go down with them. So like, I think the biggest variable is totally the group dynamic. Like we, again, we have to love each other. We have to like trust each other to get through this no matter what. Um, and, you know, out, out there, I mean, you don't have the resources that you have on Everest, you know, on Everest, there's still a helicopter flying in from time to time. There's, you know, there's tons of different um, outlets and people that you can get involved down there. That's, that's not the case. Do you, do you kind of think that this might, is this kind of an out of touch accomplishment for most human beings? Be honest. Be honest. Like you're talking to a man right now that is very competitive with himself. Love 
setting goals and reaching goals, but never in my life have I said, I'm going to climb the highest mountain <laughs> on every continent in the world. Okay. I understand that we might not be able to climb the highest mountain on every continent in the world. Okay. But there, if you apply it to life, you're probably teaching a lesson or teaching a value here that nothing is impossible. Nothing is too high. And I get that part of it. But what about the people that want to duck hunt and they follow the foul life? Well, they could probably go duck hunt if they want. Go find some ducks, go find a gun, go find a duck call, a dog, a boat maybe, and you go do it. But how hard is it to follow in the footsteps of Kirstie Ennis? Do you expect this out of any followers? Or are you mainly looking at this as the mentality of like, hey, you can do anything that you set your mind to kind of ordeal? Uh, I mean, I guess that's a split thing. I mean, there's totally a ton of uh, symbolism in it. Yeah, I don't expect everybody want to want to suffer and climb mountains because it sucks. It really why sucks does it I suck? Why does it hurt your oh leg? Does it God. hurt your leg? There's like, so much pain in it. You you destroy your body. You at altitude, you don't want to drink water. You don't want to eat food. Your muscles eat themselves basically to stay alive. You run the risk of putting holes in your lungs, holes in your brain. <laughs> like it's like, not something that I you hear. Your, you, every- can you hear yourself talking? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. what the? You've been in a helicopter crash and lost a leg, and your body was riddled with pain and injury. You've had. Forty-six surgeries, and now you're sitting here telling me all this list of what can go wrong, and you're like, "Hell yeah, I can't wait to go!" Like, it, it, yeah, like well, nobody why, thinks like that. Well, why would I not do? It makes me feel alive. So I'm the kind of person where I like that. Yeah, I like having to like problem solve. I like having to work through things. I like being like I like being able to to feel the things that I I can't feel, you know, for on my day to day. So I don't know. Um, but then again, you know, it also teaches me what I'm capable of. You know, it teaches me how stubborn I can be. It teaches me that I, I can have a confidence that I can go forth and do absolutely whatever the hell it is that I want to. Um, you know, I've been through the worst of it at this point. So what's going to stop me now? Uh, maybe the list that you just named off and wanting to live until you're 70, 75. Die living, my friend. Die living, my friend. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to live until you die? Or, you know, you got to live like you were dying. <laughs> I don't remember the song. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean, I support anybody that, like, has a dream and, and, like, get after it. I mean, don't be afraid of failure, you know. I Try and try again. If your heart's in it, then keep getting after it. I want to ask you this in all seriousness. After you complete that seventh summit, Besides an elk hunt here and there or a sheep hunt, do you think you'll ever <laughs> climb a freaking mountain again? That, that I guess Absolutely. that was really. Yes. What? I've already been eyeing the seven volcanoes. <laughs> and there's mountains all around the world. There's actually one in Nepal that I really want to get on called Ama de Blom. Oh, yeah. Ana, check that one out. Wait, say that again. I like the way you say that. Ama de Blom. Ama de Blom. Ama de Blom. <laughs> I'm out of the bomb. I need to learn how to talk and anesthes <laughs> on the bomb. So now you're going to talk about climbing volcanoes, live volcanoes, yeah. live tallest volcanoes. Wow. I don't, I don't, gonna be live. I, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, it's making me feel almost like not lesser of a human being, but like it's questioning like how tough I really am to not even ever consider I mean, I've climbed some steep shit hunting, but like, 
I'm not, I'm not in the mindset to go to Antarctica and climb a mountain. What a goal, what a feat, what an accomplishment. Are you documenting this one? Yes, but not like I did the Everest one. So I will still have, you know, the GoPros and 4K footage and, and photos and stuff like that, but not planning on doing a full-length film by any Where means. can we watch this full-length film of Everest? Well, I actually just leased it to Outside TV, so that will be going out, gosh, in the next couple of months. Is this a cable network or is it a, a, a streaming platform? All of them, yeah. So there's Out- cable, cable, um... You can stream it online, but yeah, outside TV. Are you a hundred percent like uh, ready to become a what? You have a, a presence, you have a following, but I I told you this in Sturgis, and we're going to talk about Sturgis and Jack Daniels and that experience in a minute. But did are you ready for more fame? Cause I have a feeling that something really after meeting you, I was like, and even Kevin, the barrel man, he's like, Oh, that girl's a star. Like she is a star. And like, you just, you have, you give that aura off when you're around you. Cause you just have it. Like some people have it. Some people don't. Are you per- mentally prepared for what could potentially be happening in your life now? Even though you weren't looking for this, you're not looking for star stardom or celebrity. Do you have that mindset that you can get all done up and go out and become a celebrity and, and be the Kirstie Ennis? Cause it's going to get bigger <laughs> than it is right now. No, you should go back on YouTube and watch me on the red carpet in the past. It's probably the most awkward thing you've ever, ever seen, but no, I mean, I would, I mean, I would like to take it back for the home team, you know, like I, I would love to have a presence and to be able to influence more and more people, but I want to do it for, the right reasons. I don't want to do it for money or glam or any of that. Like, or what like, about for Instagram a, likes? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I know how you feel about but, that. No. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm, I'm like sitting here in a Patagonia, like sun shirt and all of my clothes from, from rafting. And no, I mean, I, I guess I haven't really wrapped my head around that side of it, but I really would. I mean, I would like to be able to have a presence for the real people of the world. Um, and I, I think I told you in the past too, you know, like I told myself going into all of this, the moment that I, you know, I stopped being humble and the moment that, you know, I'm not doing it for the right reasons and it's over. Like I, I'll throw but you're going to, you're going to be rewarded because you do it for the right reasons. And there's going to be a major motion picture. There's going to be a major book deal. I know that this has already been discussed in your, I assume it has in your business dealings, but this is a freaking movie. This is a real life movie of a human being and spirit that is unmatched. Like you cannot parallel this type of spirit. You can maybe hope to get there, but to, to be as selfless as you've been in your life and enter the military and almost die serving, which is that's what military signs up to do. They have the mentality of, hey, we're here to serve. You almost die. Your body goes into the most pain that it could possibly be in. 46 surgeries, amputee above the knee. You take on this career of extreme sports and skiing and snowboarding and snowmobiling and backcountry hiking. And then you say, I'm going to climb the highest peak on all seven continents. Like, this is a movie. This is not normal. I hope that you understand that there's a lot of people that are good at what they do in this world. I'm not saying they're not. But this lifestyle, this mentality, this spirit is unparalleled. You cannot make this shit up. You have to have it done the right way. Okay? They've made movies about great warriors like Chris Kyle, 
Okay, they've made war. They've made a lot of movies about military. Do I agree with all of them? Do I agree why they're done? Not necessarily, but this is a story that where it's not you exploiting the military and saying, "Oh, this is what happened and this is the crash that happened." This is about the spirit of life. This is like unparalleled. So in my opinion, Kirsty, as your friend, I'm like, man, I see like this huge whirlwind that's going to take place as you keep accomplishing and knocking down all of these goals on your list. It's just not normal. I hope that you don't think it's normal because it's really, really not. It's it's freaking crazy in my, almost insane in, in some ways. I don't know if you've ever been called insane, but like this is crazy shit that you're accomplishing. It truly is. Yeah, well, I... As you do your I, hair right I there. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Crazy is a compliment. <laughs> yes, it is. That can be a compliment. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, do you I, have an I, agent? I, I enjoy do you have it. an agent? Mm-hmm, I do. As is it like Creative Artists of America? Are you a CAA? No. no. You're not. None of my business. I can tell by your facial expression <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> You're laughing a lot today. Um, (laughs) Are you prepared for this, though? Because this is going to be a completely different animal. I know you're ready to take one, as you say, for the home team and represent and be the face person. But this is I think this is major. This we're in the presence of I'm not going to say like immortality, but you're like this is in presence of something that's not ever probably going to be done again. You can't write this story. Helicopter crash, shooting out of a helicopter at the enemy, crash, almost dies, watches her soldiers die. I could go through it again and again. Like this is not ever, probably never going to happen in the history of the world again. Think about that. Like that's immortality. That's like putting your stamp on a life that nobody could ever say, oh, I did that too. You cannot write this shit. You can't do it. Like this is immortality. Like you can't, it has to be known by everybody that this type of life was lived. That's really what I wanted to get into is this podcast. Cause after I met you and you, you were crying, I had tears in my eyes. Kevin was like, holy shit, that girl just touched me every, not like that. I don't know what that meant when I just said he like, you touched his heart. Like you made him feel like, like he's like, he doesn't feel that often. He probably made you feel a little bit of the same way because he's such a sweet man. But I, I hope that you understand where I'm coming from, that it's not something that I go, oh, yeah, I know Kirsty, She's just another chick. Like, this is immortality shit that you look at like, oh, my gosh, this is happening before our eyes. It's not a normal, it's not a normal uh, path in life, in my opinion. I mean, less than 5% of the country's population have been in a helicopter crash and survived it. And less than that have climbed all seven peaks on all seven continents with an a, with a fake prosthetic leg that was that came from a war incident, a war a war injury. Like this is nuts. Does that make sense to you at all? Does that even yeah. register with you when you look at it that way of what you're actually doing? It does, but I mean, at the same time, like that. I mean, that's why I'm doing it. It's not being done. I want to set the precedent so people do go out and live more of their lives and that, that's what it comes down to i mean don't get me wrong my eyes were filling up with tears for a little bit there when you were when you were talking about that but no i mean i mean i do it because i love it i mean it, it makes like it, it does it sets my heart on fire like um and i hope by people watching me do it they realize that it's it's attainable too that's it. Mm. And, and again a lot of it's symbolic I mean, you don't have to go out you don't have to spend a shit ton of money to go down to antarctica but Go out and do what the fuck makes you happy. You know, I mean, 
I feel like all too often people focus on what they don't have, so they forget about what's right in front of them. You're or damn right they, they do. They forget. Well, that and then they, they feel like they have to do things. No, you get to do things. And think about all of those things that can catapult you into everything else that you want to do. Like that, like that's what it comes down to. Like, you, you know how many times I've questioned myself being out in the mountains? Like I've been told that there's no place for me out there, um, that there's a reason no other amputees are doing this. I've, I mean, I've been told some ridiculous things, but then I sit there and I listen to it. I let it fuel me. And then it gets, gets me up the mountain every single time. Like, why let somebody else tell you no? Why focus on the things that you can't have or you can't do? Or what? why? I don't know. I, I think what people if, need to start about, looking two about, steps ahead. But what about the mentality that you've done enough? What about a safety card? How about a uh, mulligan? Like, hey, uh, I'm good. My body's been through, I've ravished this body that God gave me. I, I, this body's been through hell and back, maybe more than once now. And now I'm going to take a chance of scarring it more, of losing more of my leg, of losing more of my sense of control or my mobility or my ner central nervous system. I'm going to scar my face potentially again with some, with some frostbite. I'm going to get negative 45. Isn't there a such thing as being like, hey, I can freaking just chill for a minute. Like, is that okay too? Or are you trying to push the needle so far overboard that you, that you want <laughs> to be known as this crazy ass person that never, ever pulled that safety switch. No, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, but I'm also, so, I mean, I just got off of the river. I was four days down the Colorado river. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking a break, you know, um, White again, river rafting is not taking a break. There were only, there were few rapids, <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, there's nothing wrong with doing those things and checking out and taking a step back. But I guarantee, like right now, I'm sitting in my wheelchair. I'm not going to live my life in my freaking wheelchair. You know, I fought so long to stay out of it and stay away from the hospital. Like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to live, and I'm going to do things that make me feel whole again. Why are you period. sitting in a wheelchair right now? Because I'm not home and I'm comfortable. <laughs> you're, not, you're not seen in a wheelchair very often. You'll see me in it later. I mean, that's one of the things, like, you know, that's one of the things that I've been working on being very open and honest about is, you know, like... Uh, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Um, you know, it's you not have, easy. It's not pain free. Hell no, it's not. Like I, I can't imagine. <laughs> like it, it makes me just be like, how blessed are we? Like, there's no reason to ever bitch when you look at a life like that. Or the kids in St. Jude's and I, that I've visited multiple times and seen what they're going through and what the parents are going through. Like, there's a lot of adversity in life. Life is a mother effer, man. Oh, I yeah. like the F word too, Kirstie, and I like when you say it, but sometimes <laughs> it's hard for me to say. But life is a motherfucker, okay? Like, it's tough. Life can kick your ass. And at the same time, it's so precious. You watch the innocence of a 10-year-old like I was with my daughter today and yesterday, and like, why, why can't that just be it? You know, like when you have a puppy and you're like, why can't you just stay this size? You know, like everything changes, right? Well, the innocence of a kid... Wouldn't it be something if life was that innocent? All It's not. It changes drastically. It's not a secret. It should be known by everybody that this life will chew you up and spit you out like it did you. And you didn't oh, let yeah. it. You just kept kicking it, kicking its ass back. But life can be treacherous in a lot of ways. I'm not trying to have a pity party here. I'm not trying to say like, oh, life is so this. Like, this is awesome. We are so just 
lucky to be here for the 80 years average that we are, a little bit less than that, hopefully more than that, if we have our wits to us. But it's so, it's so like not easy, you know, like there's so many parts of life that aren't easy that you have a chance to take a little bit easier route now. And you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go and just put my body through hell again. Not just put it through hell pain wise, but put it in a state to where it could be injured for good if something went wrong. Now, I'm not trying to scare you because nothing scares you. I get that. I'm not saying nothing scares you. I'm not going to scare you. But I'm just simply looking at it like, holy shit, like that's that is not the road that most human beings take of just keep pushing that limit. And it could end it for good. It could. Like, would you ever get in one of these freaking stupid ass wingsuits and jump off a cliff and fly and then try to make it through a little crevice this big? I mean, is that just like, that's not smart, right? That's just, it's not (laughs) if you're going to die, it's, or it's not when you're going to die or if you're going to die, it's when, right? Like, you know, you're going to get splattered (laughs) one day. Yeah. Well, so I had this great idea. So after the helicopter crash, got home stateside, gosh, I was in one of the Carolinas and, um, you know, I was having a hell of a time flying, getting back on a plane or helicopter or anything. And I had this brilliant idea that I was going to go out and skydive. Probably the worst idea that I've ever had. I will never go to go skydiving again. I have, I mean, I have limitations. I mean, like, if it doesn't make me happy, I'm not going to do it. So no, you'll never skydive again. No. Let's Absolutely talk not. about this. How many jumps did you do in your military training? None. Okay. How many jumps have you done in your entire life? One. <laughs> was it with your ampu- your amputated leg? Your amputated leg? Uh, it was, yeah, it was with a yeah busted leg. So you kind of have the outlook, the mindset. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? That's what I've always said. Um, I never want to experience the feeling of falling like that ever again. And so I guess, well, it's kind of contradictory too, now that I'm thinking about it. So like, you know, when I'm out climbing Everest and everything, I, heights don't bother me at all. I can have a 3000 foot drop on both sides and I just keep cruising along. Now, if you put me in a skyscraper and have me stand next to a window, ain't happening. Well, that makes no sense. That makes absolutely (laughs) zero sense. You have glass in front of you. (laughs) Glass can break. (laughs) One slippery rock, loose footing, boom. (laughs) Come on. Like that makes no sense. Uh, we all have everything. Were you scared when you're up in the plane looking down at the earth? Um, yes. Yeah. Was it a tandem jump? I assume it was yeah, being your yes. first. Absolutely. <laughs> so you will never skydive again. I mean, for if it was for a good cause and I think about it. What about this new crazy ass Batman roller coaster that they have at Six Flags? Have you seen the new Batman? No. <laughs> are you a roller coaster lover? I am. You're an adrenaline junkie then. You like adrenaline rushes. Yes. You like to go fast. Yes, just not out of a plane. <laughs> just not out of a plane. That 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 wigs me out too. Now, does turbulence scare you at all? Let's talk about turbulence and military and all the all the long ass plane rides you've been on. Have you ex experience like shaky 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 ass turbulence to where there it's not just like hey flight attendants take your seats this is kind of like the upper compartments are flying open and shit's bouncing and all the thing like i've been in one incident but i've read and heard of other ones have you experienced this i have and maybe it's because i have a dark sense of humor 
whatever. But when everybody else is freaking out, I just like, maybe not jokingly, I probably believe it, but I just always say lightning doesn't strike twice. And I just hang on. (laughs) Keep reading my book. (laughs) You put your hands in the air like a roller coaster. That's what I do. (laughs) Piss everybody off. Wait, so are these commercial flights that you've experienced this terrible turbulence on? Um, commercial and, well, and military, I guess, technically. You've had some bad military ones. Yes. Like flying over the ocean? Uh, well, flying into Afghanistan. It was what, lightning and thunderstorms or what was it? Was it just turbulence because of the wind and <laughs> the mountains? Turbulence. Mm-hmm. Yep, just turbulence. Do you hear the pilots saying anything? Is it is it kind of more personal to where they're yelling back at you all to sit down? There's no flight attendants on these planes. So how does that work? Are you strapped in the entire flight? Or are you up playing yeah, poker yeah. with your friends and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, no, you don't know what's going on until <laughs> until one of the gunners starts running around telling you to sit your ass down and buckle in. But you're you're buckled in most of the time. So the gunner you just don't get, know what's going on. <laughs> turbulence is weird. Like it shouldn't scare you because like that's one thing that probably can't take down a plane. They say scientifically or mechanically, like it's going to be engine failure. It's going to be something that happens, but turbulence is a wacky deal, man. It's like you're un- you don't have any control. You know, you're going close to 500, 600 miles an hour. Let's say you're going with the, you know, the, you're, you're going with the wind. So let's say you're flying West to East. Okay. Is that, is that correct? West to East. Yeah. West to East is considered with the jet stream or against it? Yeah, west to east is with the jet stream. When you fly back east to west, I think you're flying against the jet stream. I want to make sure of that. But you're up 35, 36, 39,000 feet in the air. And you're not supposed to feel bumps that high. That's why you get up that high. Right? So that mixed with all the communication of the plane and the air traffic control, you would think you would never experience it. So when it you does get when you do get it, you're just like, oh shit, I'm not prepared for that. I, I I'm used to it on takeoffs and maybe coming down into Reno or Vegas is one of those airports. Phoenix is one of those airports that gets really shitty on on landings, right? But I don't know how we got on turbulence, but it's one of those things that makes me go, oh damn, man, you gotta. I don't want to. I don't want this anymore. I hope it stops as soon as possible. But there's also one of those things. It's out of your control. I mean, what are you gonna do about it? You're gonna stress yourself out over it. Well, that's a great way to look at it. Like, Hey, if I want to go to Cancun and vacation, I'm going to have to be on a plane. Right. So either way I got to take it. I'm going to shake up there a little bit. It doesn't stop the fact that you're 30,000 feet in the air and you might not be in five minutes because it's shaking so freaking bad. The wing's going to fall off. That's what I'm talking about. Like, what if, like, those are the things that goes through your head. I know I can't control it. Once you strap in and they take off, you're like at their mercy. But and they're so highly trained. A lot of them are ex-military pilots that have encountered this. They're always keeping up on their maintenance and their training programs and protocol. I get that. But still, you got you can't help but be like, don't look at me like I'm a pansy, Kirstie Ann. It's like I can tell what you're getting ready to say. <laughs> no, I'm just well, I mean, if I did that every single day of my life, like what if? Well, and, and maybe that's what makes me weird or crazy, like you said. Like, but but why would I do that to myself? Why would I talk myself out of doing everything that I'm passionate about? Why? Like, no, you can't think of it like that. I mean, you can definitely be proactive, and again, you can like take the precautions that you can to mitigate any kind of risk that's going into it. But like, don't, yeah, don't talk yourself out of something by saying what is. Okay. Again, I'm not going to say that I want to argue with you, but I do want to say that I, <laughs> I'm just simply saying 
I'm not saying that I'm going to be scared <laughs> to go on this flight because what if we get turbulence? I'm going. I'm going to live life, but it's. I'm simply saying, Miss Ennis, a Miss Ennis, a uh, <laughs> Ennis, a uh, that it does suck when you hit it. I know that it's out of our control and I know that it's going to happen, but it, you can't tell me that as a human being, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to keep reading my book. You start to clinch up your butt cheeks a little bit and you're like, oh shit, I'm not no. going to, don't lie to me, Kirsty. I'm not lying to you. It's called an internal smoothness. You, you just don't that. react. Yeah. Well, they call me little fucking Buddha for a reason. Have you ever seen that Bill Burr skit? Uh, I, uh, are you, are you a fan of the comedian from Boston, Bill Burr? Okay. There's I've seen him a couple of times. His stand up, he's got a stand up to where he's on a plane with this other guy and they're flying into Buffalo, New York, and they hit really bad turbulence and the dude just starts ah, 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 ah. He's like making all these monkey sounds, you know, because he's so scared and it hits a bump. He's like, ah and like and like Bill Burr's like turns around and goes, just shut the f and do some man shit, you know, just like quit making noises, quit letting the rest of the plane know that you're scared. Like I hope that I never encounter that in life where the rest of the plane knows how scared I am because it's shaking so bad. I don't think I've ever done it. I'm not above it, but I hope that I never have to be the one to be like, holy shit, that dude needs to pull a man card. Right. All right, let's what what did you think about was this your first time riding you rode to Sturgis right uh yeah my dad and I did my well technically my dad mom and I your mom was on the back of your dad's bike you had your own bike I have a trike and then I have um well now it's gonna get awkward my ex-boyfriend's bike oh shit I'm sorry <laughs> I wasn't trying I didn't know I didn't know if he was your producer I didn't know who he was I was just you didn't introduce him as your boyfriend so how am I supposed to know this We'll leave that. Leave it out. <laughs> oh gosh! Now we're bringing. Now I got to play a sad song. Say, say so one. much. I got to start singing some breakup <laughs> songs now. I didn't know you. I didn't know you guys were even together. I thought he might have been like a uh, a producer or like a photographer that was following you. I don't know. You, well, probably should have been over then. then. You didn't communicate very well. <laughs> okay, so okay, everybody out there in the listening audience, man, if you really want a shot at the title. You think you have what it takes to date this badass. She's single. <laughs> Go ahead and DM us here at the Foul Life, and we will collect all portfolios, resumes. If you think you have what it takes, we're going to start a new TV show. Are you tough enough to date Kirstianis? No, I don't there want to be go. tough. I don't know about tough enough because I know you have a soft side too. Let's do a TV show about dating you. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be kind of funny. Like, like, can you dance like with your prosthetic? Could you train yourself to like swing dance and do all the quick shit on like a, a cowboy, like a devil went down to Georgia song and you're like oh, swinging yeah. and flipping. You can do. Okay. So like that would be a cool ass deal to where Kirstie Ennis has a fake leg. She's got a prosthetic from war, but can you keep up with her to be her boyfriend? Well, we're going dancing. <laughs> Oh, really? Well, then we're going to go play hopscotch. We're going to go play hopscotch and we're going to do all this shit. And if this dude can't keep up with you or this, this team of people, they don't get the rose, but instead of a rose, you're going to hand them something way cooler than that bachelor show or whatever it's called. <laughs> Should we try this? <laughs> I'm down. We're going to have to vet a bunch of dudes out, but are you tough enough to date uh, Kirstie? I don't even know where that came from, but yeah. I, I, I'm sorry that you broke up. Are you okay? Are you, are you recovered? I'm I am recovered. Did you stay friends? <laughs> well, something like that. <laughs> it's hard, huh? They, being friends with exes is hard. Okay, so 
Did you enjoy Stur- did you enjoy Sturgis or was it kind of like eh or was it like man this is really badass? No, I loved it. I mean, I already bought tickets to go next year. My mom wanted to see Snoop Dogg this year instead of Kid Rock VIP, so how did get that already? <laughs> So Kid Rock show was amazing. Kid Rock at the Buffalo Chip was amazing. You and I were both there. We didn't get to hang out because you were just VIP and I was nosebleeds. (laughs) I wasn't in the nosebleeds. Jack Daniels had us in a great spot, but I didn't get to see you that night. We did end up hanging out a couple days later. You come to the Jack Daniels booth. You got to meet Kevin the Barrel Man, Tommy Miller, Mm -hmm. Possum. You got to meet Glenn. You got to meet sis my little girl sis was in the uh was in the booth everybody thought you were great what was that experience like for you it was kind of like a cool little heartfelt homecoming wasn't it It felt like you were like you were coming home to your family almost like it's like you knew them all already yeah no i mean everybody was was so amazing and um yeah being able to walk in there and everybody already knowing my story which i know is of course because of because of you but they, I mean, they all knew my story and they welcomed me with um, open arms. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you hit the, hit, hit the nail on the head. I mean, it really was like family. And the fact that everybody, literally everybody went out of their way for me. Obviously, everybody that was with me, you know, everybody walked away from that experience. Um, just feeling so loved and, um, yeah, welcomed and appreciated. And um, it really was um, not to sound too cheesy, but like it, w- it was pretty magical for everybody. You know, my dad like left grinning, you know, ear to ear because he's never experienced something like that. Um, my mom, of course, like, um, <laughs> loved everybody, probably cried more than I did. And, um, no, it, it really was, it was special. And, um, even I, though I look you forward are, to fingers crossed doing more with Jack Daniels one of these days. Heck yeah. You're in talks with Greg. Well, I, on the next podcast with you, I want to talk about your event and the events you plan on throwing in 2022. But is it, when you are, a veteran and people know your story like you mentioned just now like well i'm sure that you pretty much said that i told them all your story which i brag about you a lot like i brag about our friendship i brag about what you've done i don't want anything from you i just think it's so admirable but there's also a lot of people that have made the ultimate sacrifice and died defending our freedoms okay i'm not taking away anything from any soldier living deceased still serving, retired, veteran, it doesn't matter. Male, female, rank, I don't care. To sign up takes a lot of guts. Does it bother you when you come preempted like that to where Chad told the story, Chad bragged on me, and everybody's kind of forewarned of what you've done, what you've achieved, what you've went through? Would you rather it just be like, hey, get to know me for who I am in my heart. And, and that I'm just this girl named Kirstie, Kirstie Ennis. Don't worry that I lost my leg in war. Don't worry that I felt almost died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. Just know me for who I am. Don't worry that I climbed all these mountains. Chad, shut the F up and quit telling everybody <laughs> how cool I am. How, how would you rather it no, be? I mean, Let's I end this like podcast I... by, does it embarrass you a little bit or, or, or did you enjoy it? Tell it to me. Well, I mean, on one hand, oh, no, so I loved it, but I'm also very awkward at like, like taking compliments. I mean, you can be like, oh, you look great today. And I'm going to say something stupid back to you. So like the fact that they knew who I was and they just like, everybody wanted to love me and my family up. It it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, that said, when I had some of the other 
we'll just say sidebar conversations about maybe some of the specific things that I've done. Like I'm very awkward. I mean, believe it or not, (laughs) I'm very awkward. And like, it's actually quite nice that somebody else is willing to um, talk about me so highly, like in the ways that you do, because I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm just going to walk in and somebody says, what happened to your leg? I'm just going to leave it. You know, oh yeah, I got hurt in Afghanistan. I'm not, I, nine times out of 10, like being in front of people, I won't, I won't dig too deep when it comes to that. So, I mean, I guess it goes both ways because that said, I also don't go out and tell everything um, to everybody. Sure. There's a lot of information about me out there. Of course, there's plenty of coverage on the climbs and some of you know, my military experience and stuff like that. But I mean, as we talked last time, I mean, you're one of the only humans that's ever asked me about, can I have kids? Do I want to have kids? Like you've asked me more of, um, uh, we'll just say the more intimate, more you know, detailed questions than anybody else ever has. Most of the time, I would tell people to get bent when they ask me stuff like that, if they ever do. I mean, I'm not saying like on a podcast or anything like that, just in general, like face to face. So it's like, I don't know, there's, a, there's just a different level of comfort with you and your crew. I hope I hope that makes some kind of sense. No, it makes me, um, like it makes me I, feel, it makes me feel good that you, that we become fast friends because I don't want to, it's not fake to me. Like my admiration for you is as deep as admiration can get. Like I would never put you on a pedestal to have somebody be like, who it's whatever. Like you don't need to brag on her. This my sincerity of telling people what you've done and what you continue to do is because that needs to be known. That is what life is all about. I love the fact that you're not out there, you know, hooting and hollering and telling everybody what you do. I deflect a lot of compliments too. I'm that same kind of personality. Like, Whoa, deflect it and put it over there. Ask that person what they did this weekend. Because when I do it, it's like, (laughs) you're not going to believe it anyway, kind of attitude. And I don't want to become like this person. That's always like, potentially becoming the center of attention. If that means you're going to become the center of attention, Kirsten is because you freaking or effing, should I say fucking with a pH, not the real (laughs) F word. You deserve to be the center of attention for what you do. I'm not saying that you demand it. I'm not saying that you need it, but you are one human being that deserves it because when people hear your story, then they meet you and see your humility and experience all of that wrapped up into this little cute girl that looks like Carrie Underwood getting ready to sing on the CMAs <laughs> with Jason Aldean this week. This is what life's about. I want to be that person that I don't need to go out and be like, hey, y'all, when she comes in here, nobody ask her about her leg. Nobody look down. Don't look down at her leg. Well, she's got shorts on, Chad. Doesn't she? Does she, I don't give a shit. Don't look down at her leg. Don't make her feel uncomfortable. I want you to feel so comfortable around these people that it's like, this is a badass human being. And there's no question asked. Like they already know. So that's kind of where I come from in bragging on you. I don't make shit up. I don't be like, dude, she was flying this freaking spaceship. And like, it was funny. like, I don't, I tell the truth about what happened. And I want yeah. people to know your story. I want people to understand that, that life is happening out there outside of our little box that we put ourselves in. There's so much shit going on. Okay. There's so much life being lived. It's crazy. If you start to think what goes on around this world that we have no idea what's going on in Dubai right now, what happened in Kansas today? Did you get up at four in the morning and start a combine and go out and cut the soybeans? Hell no. Did I No. but it's happening. It's happening. That's what's so cool about life is that it's just story after story. And your story is going to become a major motion picture. It's got to, it's freaking amazing. Like I wonder if Carrie Underwood would play you in the movie. Oh, look at this. Look at this. 
Carrie Underwood freaking playing Kirstie Ennis <laughs> in the Kirstie Ennis store. I, I think it should, what was, there was a movie with Sylvester Stallone called Cliffhanger. This has got to be called something about the mountains. I, I'll come up with a name and I'll text you and, and drop some stuff. I'm going to write the screenplay for it. I want to do the soundtrack for it. And then we'll figure out how to get Francis Ford Coppola to produce it. Perfect. Direct it, it I mean, not sense. produce it, direct it. <laughs> That's Kirstie Ennis. We're going to be back with her with part three. I love bragging on you, girl. You are a freaking one-of-a-kind human being. I want the whole world to know who this young lady is because she's truly special. She light, like, I can't wait for my daughter to meet you. Like, one day I can't wait for Alyssa to run up to you and be like, oh, my God, like, uh, this is awesome. It's not. She's not going to be starstruck. She's going to be admirable. She's going to be honored to meet you. And you're going to be honored to meet her because that's how you treat everybody in your life, Kirsty. That's why you're such an American badass. We will be back with part three of the Kirsty Ennis story. As I write this screenplay, I'm going to have to come up with characters. I'm going to have to bounce a lot of questions off of you, Kirsty. Keep your phone on. <laughs> when you're in Antarctica, I want you to have a headset on. When you're climbing the freaking mountain, I want you talking <laughs> to me the whole time. I want to know what your heart rate is. I want to know that you're safe at all times. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. This Life Ain't For Everybody. Today's episode again was brought to you by friends, Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash, Whiskey, Enjoy It Responsibly, Never Allow Underage Drinking, and thank you, Lear, L-E-E-R, the best there is. There's not even a second choice when it comes to your truck, camper shell, your topper, everything. They're folding toppers, their shells, everything that Lear built, the Lear locker in mine with all of my guns in it, when I slide it down over my tailgate, people are like, wow, that was magic because it is. Check them out. L-E-E-R. Look for them on Instagram, Facebook, and their website. Order yours today for your brand new rig. If you're like Kirsty and I, we drive Fords. I just made that up. I drive a Ford. I don't know if you do. Do you? F-250. Oh, day. my God. She's just freaking... <laughs> she's a godsend. Hey, and I'm serious. If any of you dudes out there think you have what it takes... DM us and we're going to put together our new game show. It's going to take seven seasons to find her boyfriend. So seven years she's going to be single for. I'm not going to let her date for that long. We have a lot of work to get done. Thank you, Kirstie Ennis. Any closing words? No. Thank you guys so much. It's been amazing. I can't wait to be back with you. We'll be back with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Please check out brand new episodes of the Foul Life TV airing right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. Brand new episodes of Where the Pavement Ends and the Foul Life Podcast. And please go to theproviderlife.com. Did you get my cookbook I sent you? It's coming next week. I got an email today. I did. Oh, you did get it already. No, I did. I already told you. Well, it was the most amazing message, too. I signed it for you. Yeah, you did. You didn't send me a picture of it. I think I texted you and said, I wanted you to uh, send me. A, did you read the inside cover, the little thing that I wrote for you on there? Yes, that's what I'm saying. The message was beautiful. Isn't it a beautiful oh, cookbook? Maybe, yes. And maybe I missed your message. Now 264 I pages, <laughs> 80 recipes, no, living off the me. land. Is it beautiful <laughs> it really or what? Is. It, it's unreal. All of it. I mean, the recipes are amazing. And, and of course, just the imagery and, yeah, the pictures are Pretty you're going to be in part two. So. Me and well you're going to go. <laughs> we're going on a hunt this fall after you climb this mountain in Iceland or wherever you're going, where these glaciers are, Antarctica, South Pole. <laughs> we're going to hunt. Kirstie's going to be in an episode of The Foul Life. We're going to do some cookbook stuff together. We're going to throw down, but you can get your copy of the Provider Cookbook right now from Ben Bella, our national publisher out of Dallas. Texas right now at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. We're the number one cookbook on Amazon, Kirstie Ennis. Number one, numero uno. 
Congrats. Please yeah, check proud. us out at theproviderlife.com and retailers all over the country for all 10 flavors of our dry rubs. Finish what you started. Thank you all so much for the continuous support of our brands. I'm Chad Belling for Kirstie Ennis. We'll be back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This song is called What You Gonna Do When The Money's All Gone by my boy, Leith Lofton. Yeah.